0: So, this particular week, we are going to do something slightly different. We're not in the studio recording um, a podcast as such. This time, we decided to uh, give you a little glimpse as to what I do on a weekly basis, uh, which is... um be part of Bethel School of Ministry. And um, although I love to uh, talk about topics on a a level that all of my friends can listen to, and anyone from any walk of life, whether they're believers or not, um, can sort of tune in and tune out however they want to. On this particular occasion, um, Bill Johnson, who is the senior pastor of Bethel Church, and uh, my boss, Gabe Valenzuela, Um, And I, we are all talking on a panel um, to 800 students, and we're talking about honour and taking ownership. And I just thought this particular subject is so interesting. And I think he's got pearls of wisdom uh, that can translate into any environment. Um, This man... Without question, practices what he preaches. He's the most honorable, most respecting man I know. Um, And much of my growth has come from learning from this guy. I do not put him on a a pedestal, nor do I idolize him. Um, I'm not going to sort of make out he's some sort of... um, christ-like idol which sometimes we can do with him to be honest but it's only because he's the most christ-like person we know um one of the things that i would say though is that he walks in a, a great amount of humility and so uh bill johnson myself and gabe are all talking about honor um handling criticism and dealing with taking ownership it was one of the things we were trying to sort of push more into the school in this particular week uh, it's a wonderful atmosphere in that particular room each day and i just wanted to share some of my life with you Really, Um, and what Bill and Gabe have to say really does uh, really does take precedent in my life on a day-to-day basis. So I just thought, why try and recreate the wheel when it's already been made? Um, And so this is a taster of one of the class sessions. We've been given permission to share this with you. One of the class sessions that you will experience in second year if you were to be a second year student. And, uh, it's a very informal panel chat. So, uh, enjoy. This is Bill Johnson, Gabe, Gabe Valenzuela, I think. And Carrie Lloyd talking about leadership, ownership, and honor.
1: Well, we're going to, um, we do a little questions, uh, Q and A today with Bill. We had something specific in mind. We're going to do our best to try to to try to articulate some things that are in my heart personally that I wanted to ask, ask Bill about. And, uh, ask Carrie to come, uh, Bill asked Carrie to come up because it's a conversation that me and Carrie had earlier as well and Carrie's much more articulate. Uh, so I will, you, my I will ask some questions. Sorry, I'm going to turn my, my phone off here. Um, and Then we'll just kind of see where, where we end up. Is that alright? Yeah. Can we do that? I'm, I'm good. Um, one of the things we've been thinking about just as a staff, uh, just to Ooh. let you, you into a little bit of our process <laughs> with... Uh... Just checking he's comfortable.
2: Okay, alright. Are you I'm comfortable? Uh, I'm on a hard stool. That was yes. the response. Yeah. But this is all I need. I'm happy with this hard stool. All right. I'm comfortable. Okay.
1: Good. All right. One of the things that we've been talking about is going to be an awesome. Oh, awesome. Oh, no, no. No, no.
0: Thank you. But no. <laughs> what a segue. You're
2: such Welcome. a nice guy. I just, I just can't. But thank you. Thank you so Carrie, you can. You want to
0: sit in this? No. The Queen should sit in yeah. this. Plastic, yeah. plastic. <laughs> I was the Queen at the weekend.
1: I know. You guys want to talk about anything? You guys good?
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we've been.
1: Oh, trying to. It's good. We're. I'm sorry. I'm good. Okay. I'm good. We've oh. been. Uh, one of the things we want to, we want to do as a staff is is as we as we look to help to grow and develop people in this environment. We have, if you don't know, we have a ton of talk and dialogue and discussion as individuals and and as a staff with each other about, you know, what we see happening in the room, what we see happening in individuals. Uh, I hope you know this, but we pay attention more than some of you think we do. We pray for you more than some of you think we do. Uh, Some of you we pray for a lot more than others just because (laughs) uh, of a lot of reasons um, that we pray for. Um, but our heart is to actually make sure that, that the success that hopefully you have uh, in this room this year is, is lasting success and lasting more than just uh, than just you as a, as a person but lasting uh, continually that, that you would see the fruit of what you put into this year uh, for the rest of your life right that your family would get to see fruit from what from what you did and so with with that in mind, we're, we're constantly trying to you know challenge ourselves um, with, with your growth in mind as we help to lead, lead you and lead students. So I wanna talk mm-hmm. to Bill a little bit about that today, mm-hmm. uh, about, about growth, about process, about some things that we see, um, um, and because he's, Bill's been here and seen more than, than all of us. Yes, not, yeah. You have, let's go with that. You have. Um, and the child, let's just start with this question. Here's something <laughs> some we talked about. Here's the, the challenge sometimes that we have is, is we get to step into an environment, um, to be fair, Dave talked about this the other day, but an environment that we, we, we step into sometimes as students and even as staff um, that we didn't, we didn't work to get, we didn't work to receive. It wasn't, it wasn't anything that we actually did to get it. You step into first year with an incredible atmosphere. You come to second year and you get to hear all this stuff. And if, and if we're not careful, um, it feels as though on, um, that we either get complacent or we, we sometimes um, maybe don't uh, demonstrate value, if I can put it in those terms. It may be value in our heart, but we don't demonstrate the value uh, that sometimes we need to have. And my concern is, if I, and I'm, we really, for me personally, I'll just say this for me personally, really I'm concerned about that, that, that long-term uh, out of this environment, yeah. you know, the sustainability <clears throat> of a culture that you help to create I'm nervous and I'm, I'm concerned that, that um, we know how to receive in it, but we don't know how to sustain it. And it yeah. and if I can, I'm doing this in a nice way, but for, if I can be honest with all of you in here, this is, this is honestly, like these are things that not a lot keeps me up at night, to be fair, you know, crazy stuff. But, you know, uh, on occasion, th- those are the things that I'm like, I, I don't know that we're getting what I think we should be getting. I don't even know how to sometimes teach the things that, I hope we should be getting. Does that make sense? But I see, I see a little bit of complacency or um, a little bit of familiarity, if I can put it in those terms, with with things that that Bobby Connor puts it. We're way too familiar with the God that we know not very much about, yeah, and uh, yeah. and I'm I'm concerned about this environment. <clears throat> yeah. You know, we've been at this is our 20th year anniversary. Wow. You know, for School of Ministry uh, for first year, um, and I'd like to see us go. You know. at another 20, 40, 60 years. Um, Mm -hmm. um, But I know it's going to take, I think it's going to take more than what some of us have been giving. Can you talk to us a little bit about that or or talk to us a lot about that?
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's my, it's certainly, it's probably my biggest concern for the school. Not because of discerning a problem, but because of Realizing how human nature works and and how we how we respond to being well-fed versus uh, you know I, I've watched for years people pay any price to be in the middle of what you're in the middle of, but once it's there every week, there's no longer the paying of the price. There's just it's uh, it's almost like a smorgasbord of of opportunities, and so we just go through and we pick out the things we like to eat and. We become a specialist in, uh, you know, in fried food or Mexican food or beef, or you know, we become we become a specialist in a certain area, and uh, it's it's just challenging. It's challenging to to sustain. You can't sustain a culture without sacrifice. Y- what you get for free, you have to pay a price for to increase it, and we don't always know how to do that. We we find it. We find it so easy to step into a momentum and enjoy it, not realizing that, that as much as we're enjoying the environment, without us sacrificing to increase it, we actually are not creating a momentum for the next generation. And we, and we actually have to think in terms of what are we gonna leave behind? What, uh, what momentum, um, see the momentum is not you being blessed. The momentum is in you getting breakthroughs that, that, wasn't, that wasn't given to you. Uh, the momentum is created because, you know, there's just no living without dying. That's just the nature of this kingdom. <clears throat> and uh, sometimes we get radically blessed and we think we're thriving, but remove that person from this environment and they can't thrive down the road. You know, they can't thrive at work where they're surrounded by unbelievers. They can't thrive in a church that doesn't believe in the gifts. You know, they can't thrive outside of this environment, and uh, and that's you know that, to be frank, that's just not good. That's that's not healthy. And uh, and the only way you know the people that we see thrive once they graduate and come from this place. Oh look what's happening here! The man, the man, the man. The man. Come on, home run, home run. All right. Thank you. What a nice guy. Um, you just you you receive. We all of us have received something in measure by inheritance, period. But if I don't pay a price f- to increase what I got, I will be a consumer, not a contributor. And the whole issue with change in the world is you have to be you have to be a contributor. And the only way you become a contributor is to sacrifice. It's is to go low. It's to serve. And um, we you know. The whole issue of resurrection life, it follows death, so there's no life without death. And uh, uh, sometimes it's just, um, it, it's just turning the focus from, you know, one of the things we work hard to do is to build that sense of hope and vision and purpose and all that stuff over our lives, but um, man, it only, it only thrives in the context of laying, laying down your, your, your life for somebody else. I mean, that's really where we thrive, you know, it's, it's laying down a vision, it's laying down a dream, it's, uh, it's standing in a place to serve somebody else's vision and dream, and, and just not making it about you, because what happens is if you lay everything down to serve somebody else's vision or dream, then you find the Lord stands up for you, instead of you standing up for you. And whatever you get through self-promotion, you have to sustain through self-promotion. And there's a lot of self-promotion involved in people insisting on their dreams be fulfilled. You know, it's just what babies do.
0: Can I I jump on that? On that? Yeah. Because you sent me a text once upon a time. And And Bill and I were talking about needs, having our needs met. We, you know, we've gone through our life and our journey recognizing that we had no needs at all. We've come into this environment realizing we need, we have needs. We do have needs, and yet sometimes it can go a little bit on override, and uh, we make our needs priorities over Mm -hmm. serving other people. Mm -hmm. And so you're all right with me reading out this text message beforehand. So this is what Bill wrote, and I, I just would love you to expand on it a little bit. Babies cry and whine to get attention and have their needs met. Children act up in a disobedience to get attention and have their needs met. Teenagers become withdrawn and independent to get attention and have their needs met. And adults serve others to get their needs met.
2: That's good. <laughs> That's good. Read it again. That was good. I, I that.
0: <laughs> Can you expand? Do you want me to read yeah, it again? Yeah, read it again. Oh, yeah. all right. Okay. They missed we're it. Ready? They weren't listening. They, weren't, they, they were listening. They were, listening. They, were,
2: they were thinking about the muffin I just ate. <laughs>
0: Babies cry and whine to get attention and have their needs met. Children act up in disobedience to get attention and have their needs met. Teenagers become withdrawn and independent to get attention and have their needs met. And adults serve others to get their needs met. Amen. Thank you so much, Phil, for Amen. joining us today. You, can, you <laughs> can
2: read that again. That was good. <laughs> that was excellent. Now, you can tell, you know, you don't, you don't scold a baby for being a baby but when they act like a baby and they're 12, then you you you, you have issues, you have things you have to adjust. And sometimes seeing how we react to a problem, you know, somebody doesn't like me, somebody, I have a conflict at work. If you have things that are relatively small that cause you to collapse and to lose hope, then it's not ever to shame us, it's just to say, all right, we'll need to give attention here because you won't make it outside of a safe environment. If 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 I'm crushed in this kind of a healthy or safe environment, if I'm crushed because somebody criticized me, um, man, I I just better not ever leave home because I won't make it out in in uh, you know what's called the real world. And so when when you look at a list of problems, for example, this one here, the crying and uh, whining and to get if that's where you are, then that's where you are. But the ambition should be to get to where you actually find your purpose and fulfillment by serving other people. And so you, you, want, to, you, you want to see where you are in the, in the scope of things, the independent, the, the teenage response to things, just to withdraw and, and kind of be your own person. Um, it's just awkward, but it's, it's, that's just not healthy. It's not a healthy community. And So if you see yourself in that lineup, in that list, then it gives you the opportunity to come before the Lord and to have him heal that broken part of, of life. What you don't want to do is find a place of weakness or immaturity and, and, and defend it. Whatever you defend, you give permission to stay. Whatever you defend, you actually not only give permission to stay, you are fueling it to increase, to become more dominant. And so when the Lord pinpoints something in me, like, you know, you're, you're an adult, we don't act this way, this isn't who you are then what, what I have to do is I have to repent deeply. Uh, Repentance can't be surface. It can't be just confession of a symptom. It's got to deal with the root. God, forgive me because, because I'm, I'm proud and I'm arrogant and I'm self-centered. And we bring that confession before the Lord. And that's really where the deliverance and the change takes place in our lives. When we just acknowledge what he pinpoints and, uh, I'm gonna, yep.
1: Can we interrupt you? Is that yeah, right? yeah. Can we talk about that a little bit? Because here's what we get on occasion. I know nobody in this room, it was last year's class, who says this stuff.
2: Yep, yep, I hear you. But we
1: do get a lot of the people that are very okay with the Lord going, okay, and not okay with whoever the Lord put in charge of them
2: Oh, yeah, going, yeah.
1: okay. So when they, yeah. So when someone pinpoints what's going on in their life and goes, no, we don't actually do that. You don't act that way. That's not how... It's not the person you're called to be, or you should be. On occasion, as as leaders, we get well. I'm going to go to the Lord about that and see what the Lord says about that. Mm-hmm. Which <clears throat> the Mexican in
2: me wants to come out every now and then. <laughs> that happens in a room, but you know that's uh, in that analogy. That's the teenager that withdraws, doesn't need or want input. Mm. You know it's, that's that's. It's just not healthy. It's, it's, just, a, it's just a sign of, of a deep, deep immaturity that is probably sustained by protecting itself. I was just um, going through Proverbs uh, 12 and 13 this morning, and in I forget which chapter it's in now, um, but he, he said, uh, Solomon said, uh, he who hates reproof is stupid. I love that. He said stupid. He just said he's stupid. <laughs> He's just stupid. And he who loves it becomes wise. But he who hates reproof. He who hates anybody pointing something out that's not right. If you hate that, you're stupid. Well, I don't want to be stupid. So I have to recognize, ah, that's been me. And then you deal with it. And then you, you welcome. You know, when Benny and I got married, I invited I've invited her on many occasions. Said, honey, you know, all I want to do is obey God, honor God, love you, love my family. It's all I want to do. If you even see an attitude in me that just starts to show kind of a, a hardness or a resistance or an impatience, I'm not saying to you, it's okay for you to talk to me. I'm inviting you. I'm asking you, please address that and talk to me and point out what you see. And, and I welcome that. So... You know, that's just what you do. It's what you do when you're, when you're healthy in relationships. You just, Sean Bowles said something here this last year that I, I thought was so good. Help me, really help me. He said, the Lord often allows our idiosyncrasies to be known by, by the people around us who, that know us well. Our, our, our failures, our faults, but more, more than failures, our, just our faults in personality and all. He lets people around to see those things so that when God anoints us, everybody knows it's by the grace of God. Yeah. It's not because they earned it, it's not because they deserve it. And that helped me so much because um, sometimes you don't wanna become close to people because you don't want them to know you have this, this attitude or this whatever. And, uh, and the Lord lifts that veil on who we are to our closest friends so that when God uses us, everybody knows, man, that's by grace. You know can you talk
1: to me really quick about the deep repentance part? Because um, that's something I think, even in my own personal kids, I, my kids tell me I'm sorry all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think they're deeply repentant for most of those <laughs> things, just to be fair. And, and I think we see that sometimes in, in, in us or in, or in people that, that we do life with. That, that piece is important to me because that, yeah. it's not just saying, hey, oh, oops, I'm sorry, there is, a, there is a change the way you think and do something different. No. Talk me about what that practically looks like in, in somebody's life or what it should look like.
2: You've heard the term repentance is to change the way you think. I have failed to complete the definition most of the time that I talk about this. And uh, so I'll try to do that now. Um, re- repentance technically is a deep sorrow over sin that produces a change in thinking. The change in thinking comes from deep sorrow over something that's wrong. And the Bible says Judas sought for a place of repentance. It describes others in scripture that sought for a place, that, that were sorrowful for what they had done, but they weren't sorrowful to the point of change. They were sorry that they got caught they got sorry, you know, they were sorry, you, you know, every, everyone who gets arrested, they're sorry that they got caught, but they're not necessarily sorry for the lifestyle that produced that kind of crime. And in the church, what we have to learn to do is to repent openly, honestly, and deeply. And that means you get before the Lord. You don't, if, if let's say that, let's just, I'll just make something up. Let's say that, um, let's say I'm just very careless in my language and I I, I swear here and I curse there. and I, That's all right. Just leave it there. Now it won't fall. Or maybe it will. Maybe it will not fall. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> to deeply sorrow and repent over something means that we take time for the Lord to pinpoint. So let's say that I have some, some issue, some real broken place in me. What typically happens is the Lord convicts us of sin and says, oh, forgive me, God, I'm so sorry. I, I swore at that person. I, I, I cursed this person. And we don't ever take care of the reason why in repentance. We just we cover the surface, the symptom, which is the action. And not realizing it's the impatience, or it's the arrogance, or it's the anger, or it's the resentment, it's the fact that so and so used to swear at me all the time, and I'm still ticked because they hurt me so much. And when you when you repent deeply, you find roots. And the thing isn't to get introspective. The thing is to is when you repent, you repent deep enough to where that thing gets uprooted from you. Because the Lord's intention, He said, um, if you confess your sins, I'm faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So here's the deal. He says, I forgive you of the sin. So he takes the, the, the forbidden plant away. But he says, I, I, I cleanse you from unrighteousness. That's the root system that gave birth to that sin in the first place. And so he then begins to, he enables us to see deeply to where it's not us fixing ourselves. It's just all we're doing in confession, in repentance, is we acknowledge what he's pointing to. We just say, you're right, you're right. That arrogance is in me. And I, it's, I can see it now, Lord. It's been a part of my life as long as I can remember. I got bitter. I got angry here. I thought I take, took care of it. But the fruit still comes up from that resentment. So God, forgive me deeply. And then, and then you have to put into practice. If it's, let's say it's a resentment thing. <clears throat> you can't just forgive somebody in your thinking or even confess it out loud in prayer. You actually have to put an action into place to solidify. It's like two-part epoxy. You confess, but you have to have an action that solidifies that repentance. And so s- somebody hurt me 10 years ago. And, and uh, in fact, I had a couple in my office. <clears throat> and uh, I was out, th- they had issues. Issues. <clears throat> and uh, so I said, All right. I asked her a question. She said, well, 10 years ago, he did such and such. And so I asked him a question. I said, you know, um, I said, have you forgiven, she did something. I said, have you forgiven her for that 10 years ago? And he said, yeah. I said, okay, where's the evidence? Because scripture says, bring forth fruit if you repent. So there has to be, there has to be fruit that has grown from the act of repentance. If there's no fruit, there's no repentance. You have to, you have to, you have to make sure that you create the, context in which repentance can bear fruit. And so I told him, I said, all right, you got a week. You got a week to bear fruit. So I said, go home. Go home, come back in a week. So they came back in a week. And it's interesting, I asked her, I said, "Uh, was there any fruit? She said, no. (laughs) And I looked at him, I said, was there fruit? And he said, yeah. And he started listing things, things that she had, she didn't acknowledge. And when she heard him talk about them, she realized that she had become resistant in her own heart, too. Wow. Yeah. And she realized, ah, oh, that's true. He did call me from work to see how he was doing. He did do this kind act for me. Wow. He did do So he brought me a list of fruit. The point is, is there has to be fruit. There has to be evidence. So if I have been resentful against somebody, then there has to be some sort of evidence that I've forgiven him. It can't be just that I prayed a prayer. Mm. So what I do is I know. I this person has uh, hurt me, and so now I pray for them. I pray for the blessing of the Lord on that person's life. You say, well, what if they're dead? Well, then pray for their descendants. Do something. Just do something to pray, not in a way to accuse. God, you know how they hurt me, but I, I ask that you bless them anyway. No, keep the accusation out of there. You don't ever have the right to accuse another person's servant, and they're not your servant. Proverbs warns about not, not accusing another man's servant and so you you put you put repentance into an action and that helps w- when you have that action you know i forgive somebody and i and i i go okay so lord i pray that you would cause them to have prosperity of soul that they would have such bounty in their hearts and 2 hours later their name comes to mind and there's that twinge of Ugh. And I go, yes, Lord, I agree with what I prayed two, week, two hours ago. And I say, Lord, I ask you to bless. And what you do is you reaffirm the decision with a positive action. Maybe in some cases, maybe you write them a letter. Maybe you send them a gift. Uh, I take communion and pray specifically for the health, the finances, and the family life of, of a growing number of people that, uh, that have kind of targeted me through the years. And, and it's honestly, it's, it's one of the most joyful times of my day. Uh, I, I won't broadcast it because it's not for them to know. The point is it's before me and the Lord to pray for their blessing, for God to give them increase. And, and so you have to put it into an action. I don't know if, that, if that's helping at all. But it's, that kind of, a, that kind of a, a repentance has to have action. You have to have fruit. You know, oh, God, I'm sorry. I, I've just been lazy. You know. When you're confessing sin, by the way, here's a, good, here's, a good, here's, here's a good tip. When you're confessing sin, don't say, I, I just need you to pray for me. I, uh, I just really lack diligence. No, you don't lack diligence. You're lazy. Don't talk about what you lack. Talk about what you are. Oh, I just really need wisdom. No, you're acting foolish confess the issue because if you don't confess the issue and you skirt around it with nice words then you're not dealing with the problem if you deal with a problem then god gives you the grace to get out of it but if you keep treating it nicely treat it like the enemy it is it's not who you are so treat it treat it honestly and up front say you know what i've been lazy and it's wrong and from this point on, I believe God's going to give me the grace to be diligent in everything that I do. proverb says that a diligence is the precious possession. The precious possession of a person is diligence. It's that extra effort to do the right thing. And um, so, yeah, don't, don't be real up front when you confess to the Lord. Don't skirt the issue.
1: Raise your hand right now if, um, no I'm just kidding, don't do that.
0: I'm feeling it. Yeah, I actually, um, I hope this is on topic, and forgive me if it's not. But one of my favorite things about you, Bill, actually, is how you manage and contend with conflict when you are being given um, heightened criticism from elsewhere. Um, One of my favorite things is to watch you in that and how you manage. That. So you mentioned earlier about being criticized and um, how we respond actually shows us an awful lot about where we are. Mm-hmm. And I'd love you to just talk about what happens for you in that process with you and the Lord and how you then respond. Because for me, I feel the presence on it every time I get to the opportunity to witness it myself.
2: Um, the thing that helps me is Jesus suffered intense criticism and opposition, and he was perfect. I am far from perfect. Who do I think I am that I though, could go through Bill, life? So. Yeah.
0: Just FYI.
2: Far from perfect. So it would be arrogant on my part to be surprised that I'm criticized. Hmm. It'd be arrogance. Who, who do I think I am that I could go through life and not be opposed? So I, I don't have to I don't have to take it deeply personal and be crushed, <clears throat> but I also—it's an opportunity for advancement. Because if I don't defend me, he will, and if he defend me, defends me, there's promotion. Yeah. All I've been asking for is increase in promotion. All I want to do is advance, but I want—I want to advance his way. I don't—I don't, I don't want to advance at my hand, because then I have to keep pumping that thing up to keep it keep it alive. It's like, you know, it's like playing with a soccer ball or basketball that's got a hole in it, you have to just keep pumping that thing up for it to work. And, and so many people's ministries, they only survive because they keep pumping it up. And uh, it, it's just not healthy. So if, if I don't defend myself, then if I need defending, he will. And if he doesn't, it's not my responsibility. So... I, I try to take that into consideration, first of all, that I'm, I'm just far from perfect, so I'm an easy target for criticism, and, and I'm okay with that. Secondly, um, it gives me an opportunity to embrace a part of life that, um, that most people try to reject, and that's pain. If you don't, if you don't welcome pain, that'll be being morbid and and sick. But I mean, if you don't, if you don't somehow come to grips with the fact there's pain in life, then you're not going to know the comforter. You're not going to know the presence of the one who brings calm and peace and comfort in those in those moments. And uh, last year I went through a, a, a physical thing, and and I learned that that. Uh, he said though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. So there was a measure of his presence I could only find in the valley of the shadow of death. Yeah. There was there was something of him there that I couldn't find somewhere else. There was an aspect of his person, of his of his covenant with me, his love for me. I couldn't find on the mountaintop of victory. I couldn't find what I wanted anywhere but there. And uh, you know, he says prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So in, in that context, a table before me, Jesus and me, in the presence of my enemies. So where are my eyes? Where is my attention? I've got two realities that are going on at the same time. One is I'm surrounded by accusers, and the other is I'm in a context of deep fellowship. And my response to the conflict is usually according to what I'm most aware of. <laughs> if, I'm all, if I'm all up in arms because of the accusation, then I apparently don't see the one on the other side of the table from me. If all I see is the, are the accusers, then I haven't found that God has created a place of deep intimacy for me in the middle mm. of this. Yeah. And, I, and the only way I can find that is to turn my attention off of the accusers. It's true, it's really true. It's, it's in some of our deepest, darkest moments is where he's the nearest, but we're so accustomed to him coming with flattering words and all those kinds of things, we don't, we don't know him as the God of the dark places. And you have, to, you have to own up to the fact that you are a person in need. You know, God, if you don't defend me, I'm not worth defending. I'm not gonna defend myself. You'll have to take care of that. And Lord, I, I don't wanna be distracted from what you've called me to be and to do by these accusers but neither do I wish them harm. I just ask God that you would you'd help me to see you in the middle of this dark situation. Because he, he actually described the table of deep fellowship and intimacy was where I'm surrounded by accusers. So, you know, you'll find what you're looking for. That was a really good point, a really good point. You will, you find what you're looking for. If you're looking for accusers, they're, they're all over the place. But if you're looking for presence, he's there, you know? So, I'm done. I'm uh, done with that one. With done my, with that one. With my comment.
1: We have about 20 minutes left, so. Yeah, yeah, not I all got, the way I done got done. all
2: day. Do Kinda. Okay. <laughs> um. <laughs>
1: 20
2: minutes. I have a question about
1: uh, when the first thing you said we talked about. You talked about sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the, the bigger question I'm, I'm looking for you to answer is is maybe for you, what did that look like in your personal journey with the Lord? What does sacrifice look like? Because I'm not mm-hmm. sure that sometimes it looks like what we think it looks mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. On, on both ends of the spectrum, on both yeah. ends of those. I don't, I don't know <clears> that. I don't. If I can put it in school terms, right? I don't know that you doing outreach, on whatever day you do it, is necessarily the sacrifice that Mm. you sometimes think it is because you don't want to (laughs) go. I'm not sure that's 100% true. Um, um, And then, and then along with that, maybe part two, which you can take a while there. Part two is as you look toward um, whatever future, you know, in in what you've built, going. These are students, uh, people here in this environment, these are people that are gonna take basically the inheritance you, that you've given and, and grow that. What does it look like to you? Like, What do you wanna see from us? What was
2: the first question? Okay. You you, just, you, first you got me all wrapped up in I the got it, second I got it. one, so. <laughs> do, what was the second one? The, sacrifice, the first, first question is sacrifice. sacrifice. What, what, what did that, that look that like
1: for you in, the, in like your journey with the Lord early yeah. on? And and maybe even now, what does that look like for you? Like both of those. Um, And then maybe what should it look like for us if you can answer that? We'll start with there.
2: Well, it costs everybody. All of you have paid a heavy price just to get here and to be here. You win. But what's necessary is to maintain that measure of sacrifice as long as you're here. Otherwise, you can't access what's available. You can't access what is in the room, what is in the atmosphere. Everybody will get a a certain measure just because you're in the room. There's a certain measure of impartation. There's a certain sense of purpose and destiny, all that stuff. You can get here, to be honest, you could probably get it and not even read your Bible for a week, just being in the environment. But it won't be enough to sustain you when you're out of here. And what we 're interested in is deep roots i'm not interested in you becoming big in this sense i'm interested in you becoming deep, so deeply rooted that nothing can move you that's what I'm interested in because yeah. the lord's going to be putting uh, all of us in various environments where stability is going to be uh, is going to be the need of the moment and sacrifice sacrifice just means you know for me it was you know, I was just up early in the morning, uh, crying out to God, late at night, crying out to God. It was, um, I hated uh, going on the streets and witnessing. I just, I couldn't stand it. I was so shy and quiet, but you just do it anyway. Um, it was the money, as I hardly had any money, didn't make much of anything, and, and yet we gave, you know, a, when I was single, gave a large part of it away after we got married, we combined both of our giving levels. We combined them together, but we only had one income. So it basically close to doubled our, our giving commitment. So we just, we just, it just, it's sacrificed there. It sacrificed by volunteering. You know, I've never had the experience where I was called into the ministry. I, I hear so many people talk about when I was eight years old or 16, I was at church camp. I was in this meeting, revival meeting, and God called me to be a missionary to preach the gospel or to be a pastor or whatever. And that's awesome. I believe in those. That happened to my dad and many members of my family, but I've never had it. The only thing I had was I had a wonderful dad and we had a, a church where the Spirit of God was moving powerfully and they needed someone to help with junior high boys. So I thought, I'll do that. They needed uh, someone to help with publications for the church. I don't know how to do it, but I'll do it. We need someone to speak to the single adults. Um, Well, I'll I'll do that. I'm married, but I can do that. We need someone to... We need a school. We need an adult training center. All right, well, I'll do that. And you just volunteer. And you just just serve. You serve where there's a need. Yeah, but I don't feel gifted there. Well, you'll learn. You'll learn quick. I, I... I had like seven areas of responsibility. Six of them were administrative, which is a joke because I'm just not a, an administrator. But, you know, you can force it. You can, you can, you know, you can just work hard. You know, it takes me three hours to do what someone else can do in an hour. Fine, it's three hours well spent. You know, we're not, we're not, trying, to, we're not trying to gain prizes or recognition. We're just trying to serve and make things better. And uh, so I don't, I don't think in terms of what am I good at what are my dreams? I mean, I have those dreams, like everybody does, but that's just not. That's not how you. That's not how you get things done. You get things done by people being willing to volunteer and serve. So we just served Benny and I just served. You know, we would just we would just help with anything that came up if there's something. Anytime the doors were open, we were there. And if you're not early, you're late. There's, there's no such there's no such thing as being on time. You have to decide how early or late you're going to be. And uh, and that's just the way we live. So we just uh, we just we choose to live uh, choose to live that, way. and it's it's sacrificial, because you'll get somebody you'll get somewhere ten minutes early, and the other people in that particular team will be ten minutes late. Well, guess what? God recognized the ten minutes early. You know, it's it's not about you being comfortable in a meeting. It's not about you being effective or efficient. Those things are fine. But it's, actually, it's the small things. It's the fact that you're on time. It's the fact that you have enough respect for the people you're meeting with that you're not going to be late. It's, it's, it's little things. It's things like that. It's the fact that, that, uh, <coughs> that you have a great personal need, but you see somebody walking down the street every day that, that uh, has a greater need. And uh, take them to the store, and you help them give socks and shoes and whatever it is that they need. You, it, it's just—it's just—it's a way of life. It's—it's it's not about me being fulfilled. It's about me living fully on for Him. And um, if if you if you stop taking your own temperature as to how have I fulfilled my dreams, my—he ends up starting fulfilling your dreams. He starts fighting for you. And um, I, you know. There's two kinds of relationships. In, well, as many, but let me give you an example in, in uh, marriage. <clears throat> you have a husband and wife. They love each other. They understand the different hobbies and, and stuff the other person has. And so he wants to go hunting. She wants to go shopping. They give each other a certain amount of space, a certain amount of dollars. They, 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 they encourage them, go ahead and go shopping, go, go ahead and go hunting, do whatever, whatever it is. That's one relationship. There's another relationship where the wife is looking for opportunities for her husband to go fishing or hunting, is look, actually talking among friends, saying, You know, my husband really needs a break. Do you guys know of anything going on? And the husband is saying, You know, I've been saving this money, and honey, I really want you to go and to, to go shopping. I want you to go get something for yourself. It's where the other person is fighting on behalf of the other one. That there's no, there's. I don't go hunting, leaving a relationship. I go hunting as an expression of my relationship. And it's the same thing with the Lord. It's, a, it's the exact same kind of relationship. Yeah, he allows me to do a lot of things, but some things he promotes. And when you get involved in something he promotes, you, you, you know, it's, he's the one who directed you to buy that car. And every time you get into that car, you have this thankfulness because you know this is a monument that mm-hmm. testifies of a loving father that provided for me. Mm-hmm. And when your life is filled with those kinds of things, it's because you didn't, you didn't fight for them for yourself. Yeah. You, actually, you actually fought to live sacrificial. You fought to give him honor and everything he did. And then what he does is he invades the daily decisions and he says, here's one for you. And then he... You know, he provides something that was only a dream that you never even prayed about. and you know, It's just a different kind of life, but it's the result of sacrifice. I don't know if I, if I muddied the subject or helped it. but. You, know. um,
1: you kind of answered this in, in that question, but is there anything you, when you think about us and, and the future of, <clears throat> of this place and, and mm-hmm. this movement and this particular expression that you, that you want to see from us?
2: You know, I do. I, I have a lot of things that I think about. I think in terms of impact, but I'm actually, I, th- I think at times, I think the Lord is actually more interested in the process than the outcome. <clears throat> you know, we think in terms of outcome, buying that house or traveling to this nation or preaching in this stadium or, you know, seeing the dead raised or whatever. We have outcomes in mind. I think he's, he's focused on the process and what it takes to make me the person that can handle the weight of glory in that breakthrough without collapsing or becoming introspective or arrogant or whatever it might be. I think he's interested in process. And uh, and I have a lot of things I wanna see. I'd like to see a generation of people that actually profoundly understand culture so that when you see something that's broken, you know why it's broken and you know what to, how to fix it. Mm. Because most of us look at symptoms. We look at, well, fatherlessness. We look at crime. We look at drug addiction. We look at whatever. And we can see things. We see arrogance in a business place or whatever it might be. So we've got a lot of things we can point to. Those are only symptoms. You don't even have to be prophetic to recognize those. You don't have to be born again to recognize those. The secular media recognizes those. What we need is a divine wisdom that looks into the structure and says, this is because of this. And then we begin to address the issue. We get into the middle of the problem. I would love to see a room full of people like this that could go into any church, into any business, in any city, any government, and walk around and see and discern a culture and know what it's going to take to correct the weaknesses, the broken places in that culture. I would love to see that. I I would just absolutely love to see that because it means... No matter where we go, we represent the kingdom, but we also <laughs> manifest the kingdom. It's one thing to be representative, it's another thing to release it and have it actually alter the environment that we live in. And that's, that's the cry of my heart right there, is to see that. But to get there, you know, we, we just have to, you know, make your list. I've got my list. I've got my list of dreams and visions and all these things, but put them aside. You know, stop being preoccupied with with you having fulfilled dreams. Fulfill somebody else's. Just fulfill somebody else's. It's, it's, it just comes down to real practical. You know, who do you want to fulfill your dreams? You want it by your hard work, or you want it by his hard work? You can have it one of two ways, but one will be so much smaller in its impact than if the Lord rises up to defend you and promote you. It's the most glorious thing in the world. And... Um, that's, that's, that's what I want to see. I want to see that. <laughs> Did I answer it or not? Yeah. Kind of, close, close enough Horseshoes.
0: <laughs> you talk about, um, we're in a culture of honor an awful lot.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: We're doing what we, what we can to do honor. But what does it really look like for you? That's the first part of the question. And secondly, you are talking about humility as a leader. Mm-hmm. Can you just talk practically about that too? What does humility in a leader look like? They're two very different <clears throat> questions.
2: <laughs> Twice it says of David that the Lord took him from following the sheep to lead Israel. The Lord took David from following the sheep. And as shepherds, and all of us are that in some measure, some role, as shepherds, um, part of our responsibility is to move according to the needs of the people around us. There's a term that you use sometimes in leadership, leading from behind, and that's really what the Lord saw in David. Here's this aggressive warrior Here's this incredible visionary for the presence of God and for a city and nation to be restructured and rebuilt according to kingdom principles. Here's this king of kings in the sense of this visionary person that can make things happen. And he was recognized by God as a shepherd that followed sheep. Which wasn't weakness. It was preference.
1: When
2: sheep are thirsty... You need water. You don't need a sermon. And and what that means is is that in our roles as leaders, is we have to pay attention to the to cries, the needs of the people around us. It doesn't mean it, it doesn't mean I become people focused instead of God focused. It just means I become moved by my by my surroundings, by the people I'm I'm serving. Well was there's another part of your question do you remember it
0: yeah it's it's we're in a culture of honor but what does it actually look like above buying someone a coffee holding the door open for someone turning up on time because i think there's honor in dating i think there's honors in 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 father's sons yeah. mother's daughters what does honor truly look like to you and what's the fruit of it?
2: Honor doesn't happen consistently except where there's a heart of excellence. Honor is an expression of an excellent heart. And so excellence, honor is is typically interpreted as an outward expression. Excellence is an internal value. It's a way we view life. It's a way we... It's the way we come to the meeting. It's the way we come to a relationship or to a responsibility. We carry excellence in our heart and it defines us. And that excellence of heart enables us to celebrate people when they don't deserve it, for example. It doesn't mean we don't have the right to overlook a problem if if I'm responsible for somebody. I don't have the right to just ignore a problem. I need to be a part of the solution when and wherever possible. But but to to pay a, see honor, excuse me, the term honor is related to the word honorarium. Honorarium is what I give to a guest speaker. I give him an honorarium. I give him X amount of dollars to celebrate who they are and their gift and the sacrifice they made to be with us. Honorarium. Honor must cost me or it's not honor. And the more, the more deeply I want to honor somebody, the more deeply it has to, it has to cost me. And I don't mean dollars, although sometimes it includes that. I mean that I'm going to sit and I'm going to think, what is it that I value about this person? And I'm gonna think through their lifestyle, their sacrifice, the price that they've paid, their personality, what they contribute to the group, to the school, to the church, to the city, whatever. And we think through those things. We actually spend time crafting a gift of a sentence of what that person means to us. Nobody knows that that took time. I didn't just spout off spontaneously. But I gave mental energy to celebrate who that person was and used every ounce of discernment that I had to peer into the makeup of that person and to call it to the surface and celebrate. That's what honor is. Honor has to cost. And so sometimes it's time. Sometimes it's money. Sometimes it's, sometimes you don't have a lot of time, but you can stop and look somebody in the eye while they're talking to you and not look over their shoulder. It means that you're present. It means that the more important thing you wish you were doing doesn't allow you to be rude to the person you're talking to. Sometimes it's that. Sometimes it's just giving full attention to an individual. And it may be for 30 seconds, but you look them in the eye. You listen when you ask them, how are they? And they tell you, don't turn it into automatic pilot and say, me too, and walk off and realize later they never even asked you how you were, but you answered anyway, because you weren't engaged in a conversation. Sometimes it's just so, it's so simple, it's so practical. It's the fact that a child enters the room and you're willing to engage with that child for just a brief moment and you celebrate who they are. It's that uh, somebody you know brings a friend in and they introduce them to you. Do everything you can to remember their name. Use their name in the conversation. This is challenging, it's challenging for me. But use their name in the conversation, do something to show that individual that you actually have value for them. And you say, well, I just forget names. Yeah, welcome to the club. So work on it. Work on it. It's not going to get better unless, you, unless it matters to you. And, uh, and learn ways to remember names. Do, do something. But the point is, is to show value to a person uh, is how we display honor. Yeah.
1: <laughs> We're about out of time. Will you, um, will you just pray for us? Thank yeah. you, everybody. In yeah. here. Help us,
2: Jesus. Yeah,
1: it, Chris yeah. will be here in just a second, and if uh, um, you might do some reflecting time. But for me, this is important because I, I don't want this to be uh, a message. None of the messages that, that you hear here or the speakers you hear should be anything that you just hear and kind of go, "Oh, that was good." But but some of you heard this, and, and as you were as you were hearing it, um, my hope is that you begin God and the Holy Spirit are going to pinpoint some things in your life that you're like, "Oh, I, I actually have to." change there stuff has to get different Did that happened to anybody while they were listening I have to change there right so here's my hope my hope is that you would do what we what Bill talked about today which is maybe you'd have to go home get before the Lord actually actually repent not just say sorry and that the fruit of what that whatever the Holy Spirit pointed out that you would you would see fruit from that and it would be noticeable fruit right so your people sitting next to you would see fruit from that. So could you pray into that for us? Yep, that? Yep,
2: absolutely. Why not you stand? <clears throat> let, let me give you... How many of you have uh, some kind of a list of dreams or goals or ambitions you, you have written down? Probably most everybody. I think, it's, I think it's a requirement here. Maybe it isn't, but I, <laughs> it should be. I have those. And I, I believe in that so much. That list... Is my time with the Lord. When you leave that prayer time, it is no longer about your list. <coughs> it is not about your list. It's not about your fulfillment. It's not about your dream of getting this and meeting this person and during this. this uh, lay all of it aside. Let him work on it for you. When, you. when you leave that, it is about serving the people you're with. It is not about you being fulfilled. <laughs> that's, that's absolutely the truth I tell you put the stupid list aside and just get among people and be ready to encourage be ready to strengthen be ready to receive if uh, I have certain friends that I'm with that whenever they'll ask me a question and before I can give an answer they ask me another question so after a while I realize they really don't want any answers they just want to be thought of as inquisitive. So I tailor-make my answers for what they can handle because they obviously don't want change. <laughs> if you ask somebody how they're doing, stand there long enough to listen. That's it. All right. I'm sorry, I'm still preaching. I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do next, next time. Help us, Jesus. Amen. Lord, I do pray. I do ask that you would give us, give us this grace to accelerate now in this next season. God, I thank you for the price. Everybody in this room, all of us have paid just to be where we are right now. But somehow I ask that you would heighten our awareness of the privilege of sacrifice, not giving something to you that didn't cost us not giving something to those around us that didn't cost us something. So I'm asking for mental engagement, emotional engagement, economic and time engagement, gift engagement, (coughs) for everything that we pour into the people around us. And that it would be said that literally this week is a turning point in how we think and how we do life. And that you would reward, again, as you always do, you just reward sacrifice and help us to, to, um, to inherit a culture that we understand, that we discern, that we perceive, that we can actually replicate, duplicate, increase. I ask for this and more in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks
0: for checking into the Carrie Lloyd podcast. Um, If you loved it, share it. Um, You can follow me on Instagram at Carrie Gracie, Facebook at uh, Carrie Lloyd, and Twitter at Carrie Gracie. Um, We do have a website, which is CarrieLloyd.net. And if you have any questions of any sort, um, then you can just email me at Carrie at CarrieLloyd.net.